Great takes less filling by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris. Get away you first. With me this week, as always, is U Street. Well, this week it's Casey U Street O'Brien. Nice. Well, I think we can. Uh, well, there are a couple things that I feel like I learned from the Rutgers game. The first is that Rutgers is still really bad. And really you, bad. Just, yeah. Really you know, bad. Really <laughs> bad. Really bad Rutgers. And the reason I know Rutgers is really bad is the other thing I learned, which is that Kirk Shiraka really does seem to enjoy torturing the rest of us who know that there's an offense that could be unleashed, but we're choosing not to. Um, the non-conference, I don't think we knew if he was doing that. And, and to be fair, the offensive line was struggling mightily against some you know stunts and other things. But Street, man, I mean, they really dialed it back, it felt like, today. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a non-conference game today, so that's understandable. <laughs> and that's, you know, per protocol, we dial it back in the non-conference. It was a bit frustrating to watch the level of conservatism from the play calling in the first half. Minnesota only put up 14 points in the first half, ended up winning this game 42-7, to put up 35 points on offense, plus a pick six from Antoine Winfield. I uh, Langdon, the Rutgers quarterback, threw three fantastic passes, two to Antoine Winfield and one to Philip Howard for his three interceptions on the day. Like, amazing. The first interception he threw to Antoine Winfield, just perfect, perfect hitting Antoine Winfield in stride on a crossing route. Like, just unbelievably good. <laughs> and the second interception that he threw to Philip Howard you know, it was a really good deep ball, went back shoulder, and Philip Howard just went up, you know, made a play against his defender. Got to give credit to a really good ball thrown by the quarterback. <laughs> the third one was got a guy in his face, Carter Coughlin. Langdon looked around, saw that he had uh, a defender, and by defender, I mean a Rutgers player in front of him, and just had to kind of put that ball a little bit over so it would drop into Antoine Winfield right behind. Peachy, absolutely peachy. And that one scored a touchdown, so he gets credit for that. The fact that Minnesota only scored 14 points, getting two turnovers in the first half against Rutgers, who is horrifically bad. I In this game, according to the nonsense metric that ESPN has, uh, Giant Langdon's from Rutgers had a QBR of 2.1 today, which is 1.1 higher than the number of yards Rutgers had in the air last week. So I guess improvement. Yeah, Rutgers. Minnesota did not, I don't think Minnesota was totally locked in and ready to play. I also think that Rutgers from a defensive perspective was doing some kind of interesting things in particular they kind of they figured out the snap count that Tanner Morgan was using pretty early Rutgers was really getting great jumps and I don't mean they were offsides I mean they were really getting great jumps I do also mean that the other nice innovation they had on defense was commit pass interference on every play because the officials won't call all of them right that seemed to work for most of the first half the third thing that they did well that Minnesota did not do very well is Minnesota basically decided we're only going to run about seven or eight plays. 
different kinds of plays. And we're just going to keep running them. We're going to go into that kind of shell that we tend to do in the non-conference. It is something that is very confusing to me because you would think the safest possible option if you are uh, Minnesota is to get the ball to Rashad Bateman or Tyler Johnson or Chris Altman-Bell or Demetrius Douglas or Seth Green or uh, Brevin Spanford or Rodney Smith or Shannon Brooks or more Ibrahim in space throwing the ball. But that's apparently not the world that uh, we live in. I don't get paid millions of dollars to make those calls. Kirk Sharaka does. In the second half, all of a sudden, uh, the Gophers opened it up for about two drives, and it was very clear that they were holding back quite a bit. And I suspect that Fleck and Sharaka were rather frustrated that they had to do that. See, and I... I just don't get that. That's not my... My mindset's of of this of such where, if you're going to lose a game that you shouldn't lose, it's by giving the other team opportunities and hope, and you do that by not scoring enough points. Typically, um, see how Wisconsin lost to Illinois. I mean, if Wisconsin puts up 45 points, Illinois is done. It doesn't matter what kind of day they have. They didn't score enough points. Like they, they left doors open, and I don't really think Rutgers is a team that's going to take advantage of that. But I don't know. I feel like jumping out to a twenty-eight nothing halftime lead is a much better way to go about it. Myself, um, I am in firm agreement. It is the case that Minnesota is seven and zero for the first time since 1960 and prior to that 1941 prior to that 1904 now admittedly uh, much like 1904 they're 7-0 because they played a high school team this one from new jersey <laughs> and yeah i mean if we're talking about it if we're talking about results here like that's uh, i'm not cranky like i they put a if one I i didn't know it was possible for minnesota to deliver both an ass kicking blowout and a ugly bad game that was kind of annoying all in the same game. I did something I, for everyone. I don't have you experienced as a Minnesota fan a game like that? Like I don't think I feel like we sort of experienced one of those in the early era when Rob Smith, he who shall not be named, was still the defensive coordinator. I want to say it was in season 2, sometime in the non-conference where they ended up winning by a lot but it was frustrating for most of the first half normally when i'm frustrated it's more that i don't philosophically understand shiraka's decision that we're going to run this very vanilla offense that removes what we are actually the best at it may be the case that minnesota wants to be a run first team and that's totally fine that's the philosophy the coaching staff has but the best players on that field are at the wide receiver position also in this particular game because of the level of vanilla i think tanner morgan was given a lot of plays especially in the first half where it was sort of a one read and get the ball out but he did not do a very good job of going to check down and looking through his progressions and i suspect some of that honestly was the play call was that's the one thing you're looking for look for them throw the ball once you can so he put a couple morgan had at least two plays today that probably against an actual college football team would have been intercepted fortunately he was playing Rutgers. 
do you do games like this make you worry about Tanner Tanner Morgan against the better competition that's coming, or is this just one of those things where we've seen him have, you know, days that weren't his best at all times, and ultimately, you know, he tends to re- revert to mean, which is actually pretty solid. I wouldn't go so far to say that I'm worried in any way. I think the entire team in the first half played down to their competition, Morgan among them. One thing that will consistently be true is that Morgan is still a second-year quarterback. He will have good days and bad days. He had both of them within this game. The second half was much better than the first half. He put some... He had the second throw that I mentioned that probably should have been picked off was thrown into double almost triple coverage but he put such a gun on the thing that it just flew into Bateman's hand through a window that was about four inches and looking on the replay it was simultaneously a why did you throw that and also man that was a really great throw so I think those kinds of games are things that we should expect against better competition who knows honestly who knows I suspect the playbook isn't going to be quite as base and obvious, and that will help him a lot. They didn't have Morgan roll out of the pocket. They didn't have him do a lot of things that we know he's capable of doing, and we've seen him do in games where Sharaka felt like, oh, we actually have to run more of our offense. So in that sense, I think it's reasonable to assume that he'll play better, but also he's a second-year quarterback. One of the nice things that he gets this year, and to talk a little bit about our other Nectons of the week, Tyler Johnson breaks Eric Decker's record for most all-time 100-yard receiving games and this particular week. Indeed, he got it on, I think it was about a 50-plus yard bomb from Tanner Morgan to put them up 42-0 at that point, which was probably not great in terms of a sportsmanship thing, but made an awful lot of sense because the second he scored that, the entire first string left the game. So there's one Necton. The other one is that Rashad Bateman on the other side had one of the best catches I've ever seen and nearly followed it up with another great catch immediately after that would have also been one-handed in double coverage. We have a video which was Put up by the BTN on Twitter. We have that up on the blog. If you want to go take a look at it, it is a fantastic play. When you have those kinds of receivers to finish answering the initial question you pose, they can make quarterbacks look pretty good. I take it that you're saying uh, revert to the mean then is what we can generally look for, mostly because, I mean, we've got the the tools and the talent at the wide receiver position to – to really make up for some, you know, not horrendous miscues, but Tanner being a little bit off. Basically. Yeah, when when Tanner Morgan is playing well, which we've seen him, obviously we saw him this year go 23 of 24 in a game. So when he's good Tanner, good Tanner is a very good quarterback. Uh, he's not the best quarterback in the Big Ten because Justin Fields plays in this conference, but very good Tanner is a very good quarterback. Bad Tanner is a bad quarterback. However, Bad Tanner still has Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Chris Oppenbell, and Demetrius Douglas as his wide receivers, and they can make a lot of quarterbacks look very good. That's fair. I think that's fair. So if you had to pick a Necton, um, obviously we're, we're all hail Casey O'Brien because that was legitimately a wonderful moment. Um, Casey O'Brien getting in to uh, handle... Uh, holder duties on extra point and actually if i remember correctly the snap he had to handle wasn't the best either it wasn't terrible but it wasn't it wasn't like a routine like he had to put a little work in 
uh, for his first uh, moment of playing time. His second after... snap, yes. His second snap. This the the second hold was a really good hold because the snap from Brady Weeks was not ideal. The first snap was all all around solid, but I suspect that he was slightly nervous. <laughs> um, but I mean, to you know, obviously, if you're not totally familiar with Casey's story, he's recovered from cancer uh, twice now. See, so look at this somewhere. It, at least. It, yeah, I, the kid's gone through a lot, and to stick with football, something he loves, to have the opportunity to get in and actually make a contribution, um, you know, not just see the field, but see the field in a way that actually has an impact on the game, uh, even for that brief moment, is a real special experience, and obviously, you know, why Street named him, uh, did the did the name bit at the beginning. Casey O'Brien aside, who's your Necton for the, of the guys you just mentioned? I'm going to give it to Philip Howard for a really nice interception. Philip Howard doesn't normally play, but Minnesota was a bit shorthanded at the defensive back position. Terrell Smith didn't make the trip to Piscataway. So in more game action, did really well. I think there's also, there are a lot of Nectons on the week on the defensive side of the ball. You could certainly give it to Antoine Winfield, two interceptions and a pick six. But at a certain point, if we give the Necton of the week to Antoine Winfield, that's sort of saying we give the Necton of the week to Antoine Winfield. Winfield every week, much like we would for Tyler Johnson or Rashad Bateman. Rodney Smith had a good game. Mo Ibrahim had a really nice game. And But I think in terms of who kind of embodies it beyond, obviously, Casey O'Brien, I would give it to Philip Howard. I'm going to go, uh, I know I tend to sometimes go with the obvious choice, but TJ, I'm going to give it to Tyler Johnson. Uh, I was a huge Eric Decker fan when he was here, and to watch somebody you know, break one of Decker's records, I think, is a really meaningful thing, especially given, you know, it, uh, it really cements that Tyler is one of the school's best wide receivers in their history. And that's uh, certainly a, a special moment, even if you are playing a high school team like Rutgers. So, all right. Uh, I, how do you feel about Maryland? I mean, because right now we're on, we've been very good about not getting too far ahead of ourselves. I think we're Minnesota fans. We know better. Um, but the team is 7-0 and for the first time since uh, 1960. That's a hump that there have been other opportunities and some very painful losses along the way. 8-0 really puts this team in a position for a potentially very special run to finish out the year. Um, I don't know. How are you feel Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, Maryland's still there. How do you feel looking ahead to the Maryland game? I think you have to feel that Minnesota will go in to be the favorite. Nonetheless, Maryland presents a lot of challenges. They were a team that is part of the reason, fortunately for us, that Rob Smith no longer has a job at Minnesota. They have a lot of weapons. Assuming those weapons are healthy, they can uh, go vertical and horizontal. They've also been a little bit of a two-faced team this year. So early in the season, they put up scads and scads of points, and then they've also had games where they were absolutely awful. In that way, it's hard to tell from a defensive side, uh, if you're the defensive side for Minnesota, what kind of team you're going to face, but I think they certainly have a lot of weapons and a lot of speed. It is a, it is a game, Rutgers is a game that even if you're a bad team, you should beat, because Rutgers is really bad. Maryland is a team that good teams should beat. 
And I think that would be what I would look at if for Maryland if you want to say, and I think it's fair to say, Minnesota at 7-0 has still, in conference play, not played a team harder than Fresno State. Yeah, I think that's I think that's correct. They should be seven and zero at this point. They are seven and zero, but also if you look at their schedule, they should be seven and zero. Going into Maryland, I think similar. It's another game they should be a favorite for. It doesn't mean the game is going to be easy. I think it's going to be a tough game, and I think that Maryland, as I said, has a lot of weapons. But it is a game that Minnesota should win, and good teams should win that game. Which means that were that to be the case, Minnesota would be eight and zero. That's my. I don't think they should be you know, terrified the week, the game after, not the week after, the game after Maryland, that's going to be a game against an opponent who's very hard. I don't think Maryland is at that level, but Maryland certainly does present challenges. Well, all I know is I am in an excellent mood. Minnesota is 7-0, and and we have a whole week to get hyped uh, for for uh, what will hopefully be a, a raucous uh, crowd at Minnesota for uh, the game on Saturday. So we'll have uh, all sorts of thoughts about that during the SkyU podcast later this week. And obviously plenty to come on the blog, um, recapping Rutgers and then getting ready for Maryland. So keep an eye out for all that good content. In the meantime, go Gophers. SkyU Ma, row the boat. Mm-hmm.